0: Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and in today's QPod, we're going to analyse the surprise package of the COVID period, Core Plus Real Estate. No longer should we refer to retail as a single cohort, with the Core Plus Real Estate asset class gaining significant interest during the COVID environment as investors sought out for opportunities, but it's also the resilience of the sector during and in the wake of COVID that are set it apart, with over 7% of retailers in this sector remaining open throughout the lockdowns. Today, Charles Aquino, Fund Manager for Core Plus Strategies, joins me to discuss the imperatives of Core Plus Investing and its value proposition in an environment influenced by not only COVID, but also your future, your super. Welcome, Charles. Thanks, Craig. Good to be here. (laughs) So Charles, QIC's Core Plus real estate team has recently acquired two new assets, an industrial asset in Adelaide and a large format retail centre in Melbourne. Can you talk us through the investment rationale for these acquisitions?
1: Yeah, I sure can. Probably just coming off first, the uh, industrial asset in Adelaide. We have an existing exposure in Adelaide and it's currently tenanted. Those tenants were in an existing shed not too far from this one. And so we just started the conversation with them about possibly buying the shed that they currently inhabit. So we approached the vendor off market, which was great. He was willing to sell and, and given the heat in the industrial market every day that gets longer, that purchase is looking better and better. So that was in Adelaide. The second asset that we're fortunate enough to pick up was a large format retail asset in the growth corridor in Melbourne, in the north called Craggyburn Junction. This is a high quality asset that was uh, sold by PGIM. There are a couple of vacancies in there that we're currently working on, but the best thing about this centre, it's in a growth corridor. It's got great demographics um, and we're already on foot. Uh, We settled on the 30th of September and deliver some great net income to our investors.
0: Well done as well and avoiding an auction process on the Adelaide acquisition. Was the due diligence process, Charles, more difficult given it's a period of lockdown, we can't travel, you can't kick the tyres, so to speak, on these assets? Yeah,
1: wow. It was a process. We truncated our due diligence period. Given the heat that's in the market, we actually did two weeks of it up front while we we're looking at the asset. We probably sent a few of the capital transaction team to an early grave, but it was just a lot of teams meetings, a lot of coordination. And we would be juggling from you know, a structural engineer running out to have a look at the site in Melbourne to finance and legal and structuring late at night. But really pleasingly for QIC, we all pulled together and were able to go unconditional and settle on the 30th of September.
0: Charles, there's also been a lot of press covering the market activity in this sector of late. In your view, what are the broader investment fundamentals that are driving this pent-up investor demand in this particular sector? Well, I guess in the sector that we
1: play in, which is that sub three hundred million, uh, not only are there large institutional investors, there's also high net worth uh, individuals and privates investing. So there's a great there's a great amount of competition in our area. Probably added on top of that is our investors are searching for yield and it's a low interest rate environment. So coupling all that together, our asset class is extremely coming to focus. And a real key driver for our investors are distributions. So they want tenants in occupation, paying rent, no abatements. So one thing that has happened for us throughout this period is that we've seen the resilience in our portfolio with a large portion of our tenants largely unabated by the pandemic. So it has really shone a lot on our on our sector and also given that there's just a sheer weight of capital looking to be placed it's highly competitive.
0: So with that pent-up demand as you look forward, with the returns and the yield be there into the future, will it remain consistent?
1: Well, I guess what's great for us is that we have been in the sector since about 2014, so we have put together a portfolio that has been um, the beneficiary of this pent-up demand. So we have seen some really great cap rate compression in, in our portfolio, but now we've been able to access the debt, and that was a large driver in the Craigie Burn transaction, that we could have a really great set portfolio and then throw in an asset heavily levered cheap interest rates usually means some great returns. So, pleasingly for both funds, they're jumping off a really strong income yield.
0: You're listening to Craig Balanzuela and QIC's Investor Insights podcast, where I'm speaking to fund manager for Core Plus Strategies, Charles Aquino, on the current trends for investors in the active Core Plus space. Charles, have these fundamentals become more pronounced now in the wake of COVID? I think given
1: what I spoke about before, Craig, now adding COVID, it has galvanised the investment ethos of Core Plus. So like I said before, investors are not only searching for yield, they also want to ensure that their income from the tenants is, is not disrupted. And one thing we found, uh, once the, the dust started to settle, you know, probably from 1 one April, 1 May, moving on through, through COVID, we noticed that. 70% plus of our portfolio was still open for trade, were deemed essential services. So there was a real push into our asset class from from new entrants who are looking to maximize returns from that point of view. So, you know, from our setup, we found that the majority of our tenants are your majors, you know, your Coles, your Woolies, your Aldi, your service base, and, and it's, been, it's proven to be extremely resilient. So if anything, it probably has just galvanized um, core plus in the investment space.
0: So, Charles, I want to dig a bit further into those fundamentals that you mentioned just then. We've also seen, as you described, tailwinds from investor support into this particular sector and also that resilience from the retailer also providing a tailwind as well. Can you provide us some examples of where active management still plays a big role in this particular sector? Yeah, active asset management's a huge part of of
1: CorePlus portfolio. Uh, We've got a great internal team, which means we're extremely nimble. An example I can think of at the moment is that we've got a large format exposure in Townsville, which is extremely dominant. However, we saw the, the need for a services node. So we were able to introduce a Grocery Anchor being, being IGA, Allied Health and other services hanging off the end of it. Uh, we ended up building two buildings in the middle of the car park. And so for us, it was just enhancing what was already great there with regards to the asset. And it also brought a new bit of clientele to the centre for longer dwell time. So that was an example of of active
0: active asset management. So Charles, just in terms of the outcomes of that example of active management, we've got people shopping for longer and we've got a new kind of shopper coming to the centre. Any other outcomes?
1: Well, there was a valuation increase as well. So what we do there is we would take some nice development profit out of the delivery. you get longer dwell time, so it means that people are shopping for longer. We also saw a different clientele, so people would actually drive to the centre, you know, to pick up their basket shop groceries, pick up a buy, pick up a six-pack and head out. That that was usually sales that weren't being captured by our centre. So that all accommodated in extra sales as well.
0: Charles, let's change check a little bit. Changes to local industry regulations in the, in the wake of your future, your super, seem to be supporting increased interest in Core Plus real estate strategies. Has this changed or will it change the way you start to manage your funds?
1: Look, in all honesty, it hasn't. And it won't. you know delivering our performance has been our ethos, so that won't change for investors. Probably the biggest difference I've noticed is that the interest from new investors wanting to come into this space. So we see a great core plus exposure as a complement to your core exposure, which so probably the biggest change for me has been new entrants into our space who are looking to
0: get set. So, Charles, you talked about the complementary nature within the retail sector. Even within this sector, not all assets are equal. What's been some of the attributes that you've been looking for to build out QIC's Core Plus portfolio?
1: I guess the same with this question here. The fundamentals don't tra- change. You know, we ensure that we're in a great trade area, a really good catchment. It's got good prospects for growth. It'll, it'll be near some transport. And wherever you are investing, as long as your asset is the top of the hierarchy, um, so it's really relevant. When we're talking to investors uh, about our assets, They've heard of Castle Towers, they've heard of Rabina heard Town Centre. Not many of them heard of uh, Domain Central, Hinkler Central, given their regional location. However, if, if you line our assets up, they've performed well for our investors. So as long as those fundamentals are there, um, um, we're happy to invest.
0: And a shout out to my local one, Charles, Pitwater Place, I was there on Sunday. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Investor Insights Pod, where I'm speaking to Fund Manager for Core Plaster Strategies, Charles Aquino. Charles, as we look ahead and given the tailwinds the sector has experienced, why will the defensive and resilient qualities you spoke of in this sector persist in that post-COVID world? I think from our point of view, it
1: is the non-discretionary spend. You know, we're seeing a number of funds set up. You know, if they're daily needs fund or essential needs funds, setting up to attack this asset class. We've learned over the last couple of years what we need and what we do need is we need access to health. We need access to our supermarket, a local liquor store or whatever it may be. It's these non-disruptible services. So we can't really see that changing in the immediate future. And if anything, like I said before, it's just galvanized where this asset class sits in the investment hierarchy.
0: Well, that might be a really good segue into my last question, because I was hoping to end on that global theme of ES&G. How will this mega investor trend impact the active core strategy space and the assets you manage? And you might reference there, Charles, those community links as well. Well,
1: I think that's probably the one that that's often not spoken about the most is that where we invest a lot of the times are regional. So our centres or our assets play a really large part in the community. So we have a, an overarching ESG um, thesis there that, that we do, do employ, and we just make sure that from that point of view, we play a large role in, in the social governance. Um, on top of that, you know we've been really accessing solar for environmental. Uh, we're seeing some really great returns on solar given that we are regionally located. But for us, ESG is part and parcel, and I think I've said it before that it is often the number one question I'm asked by investors before they ask me about returns. So that probably ranks about how important it is to, to us.
0: Thanks, Charles. So in summary, the active core real estate strategy has performed well during the COVID environment due to those strong fundamentals from investors, but also the support of the retailers. And for institutional investors, it has been a highly complementary sector to not only their core holdings, but also the regulatory environment of your future, your super, when the relevant benchmark is applied. And finally, as our vaccination levels increase and we begin to live with COVID, our reopening economies will be supportive of those fundamentals of the signal to remain. I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's QPod. Thank you for listening and have a super week ahead.